We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen joined on this Wednesday afternoon by James Anderson. James, it's been a couple weeks since we've had you back in the mix, uh, but, but glad to have you on today. A little bit of a condensed schedule on the podcast this week. Alex and I recorded Tuesday night. We're doing this Wednesday, and then there'll be another new episode on Thursday uh, as we kind of account for the holiday on New Year's Day. Uh, we're going to focus mostly on some rookies, um, not a huge sample size, of course, with most of these guys, but uh, we've you know had a little bit to to at least discuss over this last week, and we'll, we'll kind of go through some impressions, um, a few of those guys. Uh, we'll talk about rookie of the year odds, touch on a few other sportsbook items, but I want to begin uh, looking at the Western Conference and a, a couple of teams. Uh, we'll throw a few more in there that you know we're either maybe a little worried about, uh, maybe their ceiling or their floor is a little bit different than we thought it might be, and I want to start with Golden State which moved to 2-2 two and two. last night. The Warriors win against the Detroit Pistons, another come-from-behind win against a terrible Eastern Conference team. 
they were, of course, blown out by Brooklyn, blown out by the Bucks on Christmas Day. I mean, to me, my, my line with this, I've been asked about it a lot the last few days, has been I don't think that Draymond Green is all of a sudden the, the magical glue that's going to kind of make the Warriors come together uh, and all of a sudden look like a, a competent playoff caliber team in the West. Yeah, I, I think he'll help for sure. I think he will make the offense look a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, what stands out to me when I watch them is – whenever Curry doesn't have the ball, like nobody else on the team, like knows how to like initiate any kind of solid offense at all. So just having another high level passer, I think will help uh, the offensive like movement and and ball movement and everything like that. But um, I just, I I sort of wonder, I kind of want to pin some of this on Steve Kerr, to be honest. Like, I think, uh, they're still kind of running the sort of beautiful offense they ran back when they had a bunch of basketball geniuses on the team and they just don't have the personnel for that. And it's just, yeah, I think there's just the the basketball IQ of their kind of core players is just so far below where it used to be that I wonder if they shouldn't have switched up uh, the offensive game plan a bit more. Obviously, they didn't have uh, a ton of time to really install anything um, like that. But, um, you know, going into the year, I didn't feel confident about it, but I probably would have picked them to be the eighth seed. And now I I would pick them to probably not even be in the, the play-in uh, situation. So um, they're definitely probably one of the more disappointing teams for me in the, in the early going. You know, what's interesting looking at some of the futures at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the Warriors are 14 to 1 to win the West. Those are the fifth highest odds. Those are better odds than Portland, than Utah, than Phoenix, than Houston, New Orleans. I mean, I'm surprised that hasn't changed. Again, I don't don't think they're a Draymond Green away from looking competent. And I'm with you, it'll help, but it's not going to solve their shooting issues. I I think that's the main thing is, and I said this to Alex yesterday, I, I think the guy who comes out of this whole situation looking the best is Clay Thompson. Because, you know, we're seeing Curry struggle. Uh, obviously, you know, Oubre and Wiggins have been just horrible off the ball, shooting, spacing. Draymond's not going to help that at all. I, I don't know. They don't really have another move in them, you know, unless you go full drastic and, and try to make a, a Harden or a Beal type of trade, which we, maybe we can get to later. The Wizards are 0-4. I think if you're a team that's monitoring that, this is going about as well as it could be. Um, but but with Golden State, yeah, I'm with you. I was a little higher on them, I think, even than you were. I, I think if Stephen Curry – if you could guarantee me that he would play 65 out of 72 games, I would say, yes, they'll for sure make the playoffs. And even if he stays healthy now, I don't, I don't think that's a given at all. I think they were lucky to win these last two games against probably two of the three worst teams in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with all that. I do think when you're doing these odds that the title odds you refer to at at DraftKings, Mm -hmm you know, you, you do sort of have to factor in the potential that they could swing a, a Beal trade. Right. I don't, I don't see them making a James Harden trade, I, but um, you know, if you do Wiseman and the Minnesota pick, um, maybe that, maybe that gets you into the mix for Brad Beal, but uh, short of that, I mean, those odds are just crazy. I mean, <laughs> they, they're going to be, I, really, I think they're going to probably be, underdogs in 
the vast majority of their Western Conference games. And yeah, they can they can beat up on these. I mean, there are some really bad teams out there, uh, specifically in the East. But um, I I just don't I don't see how those odds make sense at all. I asked the same thing to Alex yesterday, and that was, does this make you feel any differently about Steph Curry, the player? You know, or is this just a another you know chalk it up to a poor supporting cast? You know, maybe even worse than we thought. Um, so I think he's the, uh, like, I think he's the exact opposite of James Harden where it's hard for him to play with a bunch of terrible players and drag them to the playoffs. But if you put him with good players, he can turn a team that's like a four or five seed into a number one seed because his, right. Like he just he needs to be surrounded by other good players who are smart and know what they're doing. It's really more about just basketball IQ to me. Like he right. needs to be surrounded by smart uh, basketball players because his game is so much about movement and um, just doing kind of all those little things to get open. And and there's just there's not much margin for error with that type of stuff. And I think maybe in his prime, like like six years ago you could have had him be this extremely high usage, like James Harden, Luka Doncic type of guy who just the ball kind of is with him on every possession. Uh, but I just don't think that that's a very sustainable way to go about it in the regular season at his age. So I think um, it doesn't necessarily change how I view him. I just think it kind of clarifies what type of, piece he is like he's not it like even like Russell Russell Westbrook like Steph Curry is just a way better player uh, like an all-time great to me compared to Russell Westbrook but like the way Westbrook plays like he can drag a bunch of bad players to like a, a 500 record um but Steph Curry need like he can't be surrounded by guys like this and and look like uh, the best version of himself yeah, well, apparently you didn't see that Russell Westbrook had yet another triple double last night. So I don't know if I don't know. Apparently, you're not looking at the numbers. I, I think you're right to say that he's the opposite of Harden because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how kind of ironic it is that a consensus top five player in the league is widely available, and half of the league is like, eh, I, I don't know, if, if, is it really worth adding this guy? I think if if Steph Curry was in that situation, and it's bizarre to even imagine oh. like Steph Curry, you know, he's out at the club, he's demanding a trade from the Warriors. There, there is not a single team that would say, eh, I don't know if we want to bring in this guy. And, and they're comparable in age. They're comparable in production. Like, it, it says a lot about the subtleties of their game and then obviously the off-court stuff. Oh, man. I mean, it would just be – it would be pandemonium if if Curry was avail available. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the Sixers and, like, the Heat and those teams, like, just no-brainer, like, put everything right. in, you know. I, I think that that's, that's a good parallel. Yeah. Uh, so another team you wanted to hit on is the Pelicans, who were blown out by the Suns. Um, if you talk to Shannon McEwen, I'm sure we'll hear about this tomorrow. This apparently cost him uh, over $98,000 in a DFS contest because Devin Booker barely played and, and barely did anything in the second half. It, New Orleans has had some moments in, in this season where, you know, I, I thought maybe I was a little bit wrong about them. And then they have a game like this where they look a lot like last year's Pelicans. I think the struggles on the offensive end to me, are a little bit more surprising. I mean, they've scored 98, 98, 86 points in their last three games. 
Uh, they gave up 111 to Phoenix, only gave up 98 um, or 95, excuse me, to, to San Antonio. So the, the defense has kind of come and gone. But, you know, we, you and I both kind of thought this, you know, their over-under for win, win percentage was a little bit high. You know, it was projected, I think, like six or seven games above their 82-game pace last year. And, you know, you lose Drew Holiday, you bring in a, a vastly inferior player in Eric Bledsoe. I think a lot of it was built around the Zion hype. Um, but it was it was just really hard for us, I think, to, to understand where this internal improvement is coming. And, you know, they've, they've been really up and down so far. And, and kind of on the whole, I feel about the same about the Pelicans as I did two weeks ago before we even started. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, it, you know, we, we outlined a lot of the, the flaws of this roster before the season. But um, I you know, obviously Zion and Steven Adams are non-shooters and I think they fit well enough defensively that you could even make it work with those two non-shooters if the other three guys are just awesome shooters. But, you know, Eric Bledsoe, like he can, he can hit threes in the regular season, but the big thing is that nobody guards him out there. And so that's the whole point. Like, it's not about, can you shoot like 35%? It's, are you doing it? Is, is there gravity when you're out there? And it's really just like Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and, and JJ Redick when he's out there. Um, you know, maybe Josh Hart to a lesser extent, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, I mean, th- they just don't have many guys that need to be guarded beyond the three-point line. And so it just, it kind of looks like a offense from like 20 years ago where you, where you have like one to three shooters out there at a time. And the big problem defensively is that whenever Steven Adams is off the court, they're like the worst defense in the league, basically. So um, that it's just, it was a, a bad job of constructing the roster. If the goal was to make the playoffs this year, you know, I think you could argue that, they should have sent Eric Bledsoe to Oklahoma city and held on to George Hill. I think he would at least have fit and given them yeah. like, I, I buy Lonzo balls, like improved three point shot. Like I, I think he's a, a legit, like average shooter for the position now. So if you had Lonzo ball and like George Hill and Brandon Ingram, I think you might have enough space on offense to, to let Zion really do damage. And mm-hmm. The thing I love about Adams with Zion is that Adams just sets all these sort of cheeky, like moving screens, like in the paint to just kind of wall off his man and just give Zion more room to work with. Like, I, I, I actually kind of like that pairing. It's just the it's the Eric Bledsoe factor. And if you want to go with the Lonzo Reddick Ingram lineup, then you're then you're down a defender and your, your defense is worse. And Reddick is just he's so old now. Um I just I think they don't have enough shooting on offense and they're just so reliant on Steven Adams because Jackson Hayes is terrible. I mean, they, they don't have anyone that can protect the rim at all when Adams isn't out there. They basically did the same thing in the backcourt that they did in the front court. You can do one or the other. You know, you can have the yeah. two non-shooters at, at power forward and center, or you can have, you know, Bledsoe and Ball. Having them both out there in the same starting lineup is a disaster. And they're you're, this is going to surprise you. They're 29th in offensive rating on the year. They're fifth in defensive rating. So that, that part hasn't been so bad. Um, but they've also played, you know, a team in Toronto that's really struggled offensively. They've, they've had some favorable matchups so far that plays into that. And the other thing with, you know, with the way that they're playing, you need to dominate the glass, right? If you're going to start Zion 
and Steven Adams, like you need to be pounding teams on the boards and, you know, defensive rebounding rate, they're like ninth or 10th. That's okay. Um, But they're not a very good offensive rebounding team. They're, they're below the league average in offensive rebounding rate. And if you're not winning that battle, I I don't really understand what the payoff is. Um, What have your impressions been of Zion Williamson who has played a lot of minutes? I think that's been the biggest thing. He played 38 minutes in back-to-back games earlier this week and over the weekend. But then, you know, last night against Phoenix, only plays 29 minutes, has 20 points, two rebounds, two of six at the line, no assists, one steal, zero blocks. So I think he's better. Like, I mean, he looks better than he did towards the end of last season, mm-hmm. uh, just from like a being able to move around and, and like kind of being in decent shape, I guess, by his standards. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't seen that sort of uh, ridiculous explosiveness. Like when he was at Duke, I mean, I don't know if that, that athlete is ever coming back necessarily. It's interesting you bring that up because, you know, I I was thinking about this the other day in the shower, actually, full disclosure. Think of the other great athletes that have been on his level that have come in. Like, I, I really think it's like LeBron and Blake Griffin, right, at that position. I think you could even throw, like, a John Wall type player. Like, guys who – with LeBron as, as a high schooler and those guys in college, it was like, like wow, this is going to be insane. And when they got to the NBA, it was arguably even more insane because of, the, you know, the spacing. And, like, Griffin especially, his first two years was – you know, that was 10 years ago now. But that was – like, it was unbelievable. He was a phenom with how athletic he was. Does Zion have a single memorable dunk in the NBA so far? <laughs> maybe in like his very first summer league i, I don't know like, Even it, that, it, i don't think i don't know there's not one like you should be able to yeah, think of one right yeah. like it's it's absolutely insane for the athlete like, he is arguably the craziest athlete i think to ever come into the league in terms of the hype in terms of what he did in college and high school where is that i mean it's not yeah. like it's not like a, a a highlight dunk is worth more than laying it in but it's just kind of crazy that that's disappeared He's still like he's almost kind of got like a, like a Moses Malone type of game. Um, yeah. Like where it's just he's so dominant on the offensive glass. He's so quick to get those second shots back up. He's so efficient, like without dunking. Um, like we're going to talk about James Wiseman in a bit. Like he's kind of the opposite of that, where um, like Zion's just a machine and he doesn't have to dunk it. And, uh, but yeah, you're, you're, that's what I was sort of getting at is like that, that crazy nuclear athlete that um, just got everyone super excited at Duke. You know, maybe it's a thing where he's just getting sort of still getting kind of into game shape and uh, maybe as he gets sort of further removed from those injuries, like it might come back a little bit. But, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily need that to be a dominant uh, post scorer, but he needs it to be a good defender. And I don't, like I just don't see him ever getting to just even being like a above average defender, which I think should have been a realistic goal for him, given the athleticism coming out of college. Like we saw him make some ridiculous defensive plays in college uh, mm-hmm. that were just all athleticism, and he just doesn't make those plays anymore. And that's why they had to go get a guy like Stephen Adams and and ridiculously overpay for him. Uh, just to kind of get that guy in there that could anchor the defense. And yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it it sucks, but I, I feel like we're going to get to the point in like a year or two where everyone's just like talking about how overrated Zion is and like, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's He's still a really good offensive player, but he's not the type of player that I sort of hoped he would be at this stage. Here's a question for you. If you're the Grizzlies, would you trade John Morant for Zion Williamson right now? No, no. Right. And isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I wouldn't either. I don't, I think if you're the Pelicans, I don't think you would, you would make that trade either. I, I think both teams are invested in their guys, but I mean, for as great as Morant is, I, I think, I think people thought Williamson would be another step above. And like Ja has his own um, durability concerns, just given mm-hmm. the way he plays. I mean, he's already hurt. Um, I mean, he's just, he's got that sort of frame where you worry about uh, injuries, but um, he's shown, he's just been on this sort of upward trajectory as a player that and Zion's kind of going the other way almost, not not necessarily skill-wise, but just effectiveness. And um, like Jaws, never going to be a good defender either, but you can totally get by if your point guard is your worst defender. It's it's a lot tougher to get by if your center is your worst defender, and if you don't play in that center, you have to play in that power forward, and then you need a very specific type of center to fit around him. So I just think Jaws is just a lot easier to build around. Zion has two blocks in 135 minutes. He's really not racking up assists. He's shooting barely 50% from the line. I mean, there there are some some concerns there certainly. Uh, I mean, you don't want to pile on to a guy who's played like 20 career games, but. Uh, it's, it's just been a weird, it's been a weird start to his career. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's not like he's a huge bust by any means, but it, it just, it feels like he's playing well, but not in the ways that he should be. He kind of reminds me a little of uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. On the, on the baseball side of things mm-hmm. where like he almost like body. peaked, he almost like peaked as like a 18 year old and his body, like, it's just, like I don't even know what in shape is for Zion. Like what mm-hmm. what's he what's he capable of doing in terms of getting into better shape? Like is this as good as it gets? Is is he right. not working on it? Like I I don't know. It's just I feel like um, it it's just been a little a little underwhelming. Yeah. All right. Do you want to hit on the Spurs or get to rookies? Well, I just wanted to say like with – so I sort of thought going into the year like the Warriors were the eight seed. I kind of thought the the Pelicans maybe had the best chance to unseat them and get that eight seed. But now I'm looking at the the Spurs and the Kings as maybe, you know, maybe one of those two could sneak in there and get that eight seed. I, I think the Spurs, I sort of buy a little bit more. Um, you know, the Kings have had some fun games, but uh, I mean, they still have a negative point differential. Like I, I kind of buy this, I, you know, we, I think we both like the over on the Spurs coming into the year. Yep. Um I'm I'm regretting not making that one of my best bets because they've had Aldridge stretching the floor, DeRozan's taking some threes, and I love this this collection of young guards and wings they have. And Derek White hasn't even played yet, so I yeah. I really think the Spurs, I mean they could they could go get that eight seed. I think I think it's right there for them to go get. Yeah, I think so. I think with with Morant out for you know, probably a month, maybe a month and a half. Memphis is out of it. I think that pretty much seals the deal yeah. for them. Uh, not not that they were really a team that everybody loved, but I think with Golden State taking a step back, who knows what can happen with Houston. Um, you know, it's not like San Antonio is going to have to win 50 games to get that eight seed. I, I think if they just play steady basketball, which they're more than capable of, um, it, it will be there for them. And and yeah, DeRozan shooting threes is, is an interesting development. I, I think, didn't he only take like 40, if that, all of last year? Yeah, he's he's kind of 
gone up and down a little bit, I think, over the last couple of yeah. years. But yeah, he really did sort of hit rock bottom again last year. But um, it's it's just about those guys taking them. Like it's not, right. it doesn't even really matter how many of them go in. But as long as DeRozan and Aldridge are taking them out there, that gives yeah. them the space they need. He took 35 all of last year, and he's taken eight over the last two games. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six month Rotowire subscription when you place your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R O T O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado and Nevada, and 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800 889 9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, let's get to rookies. Um, we'll just kind of go down the list. We won't hit on everybody, uh, but, but most of the guys who've been getting some run over the last week or so, we'll, we'll kind of check in on. And why don't we start at the top? Anthony Edwards, I would say this has been almost exactly what we expected, right? Uh, I feel like every time I, you know, I check in on the Wolves, he has like 12 points in the first half, and then he finishes the game with like 14 points and misses like all six of his attempts in the second half. Um, he had a, you know, a kind of a, a touching tribute to Carmelo Anthony in their latest game, uh, put up 12 points, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, four of 10 from the field, uh, no free throw attempts in 25 minutes. I mean, he scored in double figures in all four games. He's easily the leading scorer among rookies. Um, but, you know, kind of like we were just talking about with Zion, there's just really not a whole lot else going on statistically. This is going to be such an interesting uh, test case for like rookie of the year and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, he could he could legitimately average like 18 or 20 points a game. And you could still look at his overall stat line and be like, this guy just isn't very good. Like, he's never going to be – he's always going to be a good stats, bad team guy. Yeah. And, he, like, what else does he do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Um, this was kind of one of the big concerns I had about him coming out is it's not about, like, yeah, he can go get a shot. He can go get a bucket for sure. Um, but he, you know, defensively, he's not impacting the game really. Um, he's obviously not making his teammates better on offense. Um, like his, when you have his athleticism, I mean, you should just be so destructive, like on the glass, on defense and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's kind of been sort of exactly what I expected him to be, but, I wonder, like, rookie of the year usually goes to just who averages the most points. And so I wonder, like, say we have Anthony Edwards leading all rookies in, in points per game by, like, three or four points. Uh, and then you have, like, someone like maybe Tyrese Halliburton or 
uh, one of these other guys that's kind of just doing it all, but is only averaging like 13 points per game. I think that'll be pretty fascinating to see how that plays out. So Edwards leads all rookies, qualified rookies, for whatever that means at this point in the year, in usage rate, shockingly. Um, he is positive, though, in terms of win shares, which is not always the case for, for rookies who, even if they're scoring a bunch you know, on a bad team, that can also be often be negative. Um, so he's, he's been fine. I mean, I, I think, I, like, honestly, I think he's been a little better than I thought he would be so far. Uh, like the three-point shot, I think, looks a little further along um, than, than some people expected. He had a couple big games in the preseason. Uh, hitting a bunch of threes, but I mean, ultimately the, the ceiling, it, 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 to me, like, I, I don't, I just don't know where this goes. You know, I, I really, I think he, he could very well be like a 20 plus point per game player, but it, it seems like his best case is more like Zach Levine than Donovan Mitchell. Yes. Yeah. Levine's a really good one. Um, not necessarily the same, like, I don't think he's ever going to be as smooth with the jumper as Levine is, but um yeah, very, very similar, where he's just going to put up uh, really, really impressive scoring numbers, and his teams are just always going to be at, like, 35 wins. And, yeah. you know, he, he just doesn't – he's not – his team's not good enough for him to make all-star games, even though he's, like, eighth in the league in points per game. And, yep. um, yeah, I think that's exactly where this is headed. And that's just such a tough player to have on your roster, especially when it's the number one pick. Right, because you're just so like invested, but you kind of know it's not it's not going to turn out all that great for your team, yeah. and so it's just it's kind of like having like the Lions have had like Matt Stafford at quarterback for like you know, 15 yeah. years or whatever, and you know he's fine, like he's like a top 20 quarterback, but you just know you're never going to win anything. Joe Johnson is another name who comes to mind. Yeah, like I can yeah. see it going that well, way. At least Joe Johnson, like at least prime Joe Johnson was was pretty solid defensively. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What have you been your impressions on Wiseman so far? So he's just like the the hype is just it's way out of control. I think um, you look at this. Well, like a you look at the Warriors roster. Um, and just the fact that they're kind of force feeding him these minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't think it should be that surprising that he's scoring points, at least those first two games. Um, but defensively, like, yeah, he, he can get some highlight blocks and stuff like that, but he just really doesn't know what he's doing out there. Um, and that shouldn't be a surprise. Like nobody should yeah. be surprised by any of the flaws that we're going to talk about with Wiseman's game, but it's just the Warriors are in such a weird spot where they just don't have many competent basketball players. And they're also trying to develop this guy that they are extremely high on. Um, they don't have great backup options behind him. So um, he's probably just going to continue to get minutes and, I, I think he's just going to be a net negative for them all season. Like, you know, for fantasy, I think he will be very solid because he, he'll get you those blocks. He'll get you um, and the, the points and, and the rebounds and stuff that come with the minutes that he's going to get. Um, but I, I mean, when he's taking these threes, like I, I don't even think his field goal percentage is going to be that great. Um, so, you know, I, I was hoping, you know, if, if we had cl a healthy clay Thompson here, they, they just need a couple more guys so that all he's really asked to do are like a couple things. Whereas right now I just think he's kind of getting overtaxed and, you know, I just think the, the overall sum is just not going to be a winning player in year one. 
even though the numbers at the end of the year might look like rookie of the year numbers. I've been impressive with his peaks so far like that, that coast to coast, I think he got a rebound and then kind of, I mean, it was against the Pistons, but um, I think he got around like Steve McKayluke and then, you know, Euro stepped his way for a huge dunk last night. Like he has those wild plays where you, you really see what he's capable of. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, this, this season, I, I think he very well could be the rookie of the year just because the minutes are going to be there. Maybe as the year goes on, you know, if he can average a block and a half and like eight rebounds and 11 points in a year like this, that, that might be more than enough. Um, I, I guess. So a, a lot of the conversation, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, a Harden or a Beal type of trade with the Warriors was, you know, this unknown of James Wiseman. If you're, a, if one, if you're the Warriors and two, if you're a team that would potentially be trading for him, do you, do you feel like you, you want him more than you did before you had seen him play or less? Uh, I don't, maybe just a tiny bit less, you know, I, I don't think he has been any worse than I expected Yeah. offensively, but mm-hmm. I think, I guess I was sort of hoping that is just knowing what to do defensively would be a little bit more ahead of where it is right now. Cause I mean, the blocks, people are just going to look at the blocks and be like, Oh, this guy's great. Uh you know, he might be the best athlete in the NBA. Like he should be getting a ton of blocks. It's more about, is he doing the right thing? Is he making the right read, the right rotation and stuff where he's not getting blocks? Um, you know, I, I guess I, I thought his path, like the best path for him to be an all-star was to be a little bit better on defense than he was on offense. And I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case anymore. Like, maybe he's a little closer to like James Wiseman or uh, to um, DeAndre Ayton maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, he'll go to the foul line a lot more than Ayton will, but um, yeah, I just, I haven't seen the sort of defensive instincts that I was sort of hoping to see, but really just a a small downgrade. I still think uh, he's a definitely a a blue chip prospect still. So I, I would still want him in a trade. I, you know, does he have more value than that Minnesota pick? Um, I, uh, I'm going to say know. no. I think, I think it's close. I, th- I would say for a lot of teams, it's probably even. But the way that the Timberwolves are looking and going to be without Towns for who knows how long, I think that pick looks even better. Although it is – is it top one protected, top three protected? I think it's top three. Protected. I think it's top three. But, I mean, it's probably coming in pretty shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, let's go. Let's go to Lamelo Ball, and then we'll we'll go a little more quickly through some of the wings and you know Killian Hayes and those guys. But um, you were a big Lamelo guy. You're heavily invested in Lamelo uh, in fantasy leagues. I, I've been a little more skeptical. Um, he's he's been up and down so far. I mean, it was one like pretty bad game on opening night. The three point shootings come around over the last two. Uh, had a, a pretty nice, well rounded line uh, against Brooklyn the other night. All in all, I mean, no, no real reason to panic. I, I have my doubts about how effective he'll be in fantasy as a rookie. But I, I think long term, you know, there's, there's been nothing over these first three games that, that are really causing, you know, alarm one way or the other. Yeah, the, the shooting percentages are, are tough for, for fantasy. Like, I, I think he, he could shoot under 40% as a rookie. Um, but 
the thing is like coming in, like I was definitely very high on him. Like I still am very high on him um, was an easy call. Number one for me, but I didn't think he was going to be an efficient scorer this year by any stretch. I think that would have been kind of crazy to come in with those expectations given what Mm -hmm. he did in Australia. But um, what, you know, I mean, he is still hitting threes at a good, at a good clip and he's taking, like he takes hard threes and he's making threes. Like I think that if you, and he's a guy that's just like always, like he always sort of laughed at those um, concerns about him in terms of being a three point shooter, because like being a three point shooter is sort of what he's been known for right. uh, most of his life. So I think that he's going to be a guy that you have to guard from three. And I think he's going to be one of the five best passers in the league in like a year or two. Uh, I mean, he can already make some of the best passes in the league, but just in terms of just consistency, I think he'll be one of those guys in a year or two. And he's been better defensively and on the glass than I think anyone was expecting. I mean, he, you know, he, he's averaging, uh, I think more rebounds than assists right now. And he is just, he's big enough and he's smart enough that he kind of gives you some more versatility defensively where you don't have to, you know, like when, when Trey Young's terrible at defense or um, John Morant is, is bad at defense, like, you know, that you can only put them on like one or two guys on the other team just because of their size, mm-hmm. but you can hide LaMelo on, on kind of whoever you want, um, just right. given how big he is. So, um, you know, I don't think the field goal percentage or the free throw percentage are going to be good at all this year, but you shouldn't have been expecting them to be. And I think if you look at the rest of the package, like two, three years down the road, I mean, this is a guy that could be averaging close to a triple double and a guy that could be yeah, um, really just a guy that, that you want the ball in his hands. And I think his teammates already love him and how could you not love playing with a guy that gets you so many easy dunks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I just think that he's been about as, about as expected for me. And I was really high on him. I was at three games in plus a preseason an abbreviated preseason. He already has more wild plays than Lonzo's had his entire NBA career. <laughs> like he's in a lot of ways, like he's kind of like the savant level passer that I think people thought Lonzo was. And Lonzo's a very good passer. He's not, I don't think he's a great passer in the NBA. I, I think he's a great, like, throw it up the court, get the ball moving type of player. But, like, I mean, LaMelo, like, there's something about just having the confidence to go behind the back in, like, your second NBA game and, you know, flip it up over your shoulder for a no-look alley-oop. Like, there's a, only certain players throw passes like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the fact that he has that level of confidence already, um, even if it's going to be a turnover sometimes, even if the assist numbers aren't crazy right away, it's, it's very, very clear from the jump. And this was the case in the preseason that the passing is there. Um, and like you said, with the rebounding, I mean, that was his rebounding numbers were awesome overseas. It was just a question of whether that would translate. And, and it clearly has. They were great in the preseason as well. I, I don't know that I ever see him being a great scorer, but I, I think, you know, he could have like some of those Jason Kidd type of seasons where it's mm-hmm. like 14 and a half points, 10.5 rebounds, 11 assists, that type of thing. You know, that, that's, that's well within reason down the road. The thing he really needs to get better at is finishing. Uh, yeah, only been in, to the line the twice so far. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's just got a lot of room for improvement there. Like any any sort of scoring inside the arc, there's a lot of room for improvement. But you know, this is kind of where 
most point guards with his like age and experience are when they come into the league. Like you don't usually come into the league and just you're an awesome finisher. Right. Hey, NBA fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. On Owner's Box, users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. All right, let's, uh, let's group Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro together. Two wings uh, in Chicago and Cleveland. Uh, Okoro got hurt early on. Uh, has missed a couple of games, so we don't have much of a sample there, uh, although he looked pretty good in the preseason. Patrick Williams has looked, I think, more, more ready than most expected that he would. And, and I think we kind of thought the Bulls would maybe be deep enough, and they've, they've been terrible, but maybe deep enough that they wouldn't really have to play him all that much. It would be kind of a developmental year. He started all four games. He's played 20-plus minutes in all four games. He's hasn't been great in any one area, but he's, he's just looked really competent overall, been solid on defense, has at least one made three in every game so far. Um, you know, super, super early, but that one, that one was kind of a reach on draft night, and it looks like a hit so far. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that Bulls under right now. Um, but but the – yeah, I, I thought Patrick Williams would just be someone that was just a total project in year right. one where, like, you'd see some flashes. But, um, you know, he's been way more ready than, than I thought he would be. Um, I think it, it helps that he is – he has some defensive chops on this team because very few players on this roster do. So that will give him the playing time edge, but um, you know, maybe maybe he wouldn't be even if we redid the draft. He might not be my pick at four, but I think it's certainly a, mm-hmm. a defensible pick. And Do you with, have anything on Coral? Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't think we got a chance to pod um, after his sort of mini preseason run. Yeah, but I like that pick a lot more. I mean, I I thought it was a fine pick at the time but I think it was a, a home run pick for that team, mm. especially given their needs and, and their roster. Because like, if you told me just going into the draft that this was a guy that could be like a 35% three-point shooter, I think you could make a case for him as high as one or two. And just the, just the fact that he was taking and making some threes during the preseason is way ahead of where I expect him to be right now. So he clearly put a lot of time in on his jump shot between the end of his freshman season and uh, the start of the preseason. And yeah, I just think he's such a great fit on that team. Killian Hayes uh, off to a tough start in Detroit. Virtually everybody on that team, except for Josh Jackson uh, has not been playing very well. Uh, They 
Blake Griffin looks like maybe he's banged up. Uh, that's kind of going the way that most of us thought it would. He, Killian Hayes has not been good. I, I look, I, I appreciate a team throwing a guy out there, especially, you know, when you, when you recognize where you're at as a franchise and there's, there's no need to, you know, bring a guy along all that slowly when you're probably the worst team in the league, but this has not been good at all. Um, and I, I, I think it's probably too early to say like, you know, are they ruining him by throwing him out there? But like this, this has some very big, uh, like Emmanuel Moutier vibes mm. to it. Maybe some Dennis Smith vibes already. We're only four games in. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I can't object to you bringing up those names. Um, you know, I mean, Dennis Smith is definitely way better than this as a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Smith um, has just been in some bad situations, honestly. Uh, also, Detroit, like, not having any interest in signing Christian Wood to any – like, I mean, what was that all about? Um, but, you know, I think Detroit is setting themselves up pretty nicely for a, a very nice draft pick and mm-hmm. a loaded draft, so that they've got that going for them. But, uh, I mean, the, the worst thing would be if Hayes is bad enough this year that they might consider drafting over the top of him next year like that. I think, Oh, you have to, I think, I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, I mean, think of how bad Trey young was maybe two months from now. We'll, we'll look back and laugh about this, but I, I I mean, I I don't, I don't think the Pistons are in any position to be drafting for need. Well, and, and you look at what like Dallas did when they had Dennis Smith, they didn't sit there and say, Oh, we don't need another point guard. They were like, no, we, we definitely need a better point guard than this guy. And, Uh, I could see Detroit doing the same thing with, with Hayes. So I, I think Detroit is probably where the should have taken Tyrese Halliburton really starts. Uh, it certainly applies to the Knicks at eight. Obi Toppin is hurt. We haven't really seen much from him. Uh, Denny Avdia in Washington has looked pretty good. I mean, he's, he's been starting. No, no real complaints there. Still should have taken Halliburton. Um, do you have anything on, on Toppin and Avdia? Not enough to really draw any conclusions on Toppin, but uh, I had concerns about Abdiya's jumper yeah. in the draft, and so far that has not been a concern. And so, I mean, if Abdi is going to be like a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter, then I think he makes much more sense as a yeah. as an NBA starter. Like I, I was worried that he was going to be a guy that nobody would respect out there, and I, it's looking like maybe that won't be the case. So that that one could end up working out. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, he, he's looked Halliburton. good. He's, like the all-around stuff has been good with him. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Jalen Smith at 10. This is a, a major should have taken Halliburton pick. Uh, Halliburton himself finally went 12. Uh, I, don't, I have nothing to say about Jalen Smith. Do you? I, no, no. no. I, that was just a weird pick. It's going to remain a weird pick. Chances are he's probably just like, okay, and becomes like Gorgie Jang or something like that. Well, that, that was just – that was one of those, I think, where for some reason they just went into the draft and they were like, we're taking Jalen Smith no matter what. And yeah, they had Tyrese Halliburton fall right into their laps. Would have been – just a perfect player to come off the bench for them and learn from like Chris Paul and stuff like that. And they're right. just like, Nope, we, we have our guy. Yeah. That was bizarre. That, that also felt like kind of a drafting for need and like just saying like, Oh, well we, you know, we could use a backup big man who's going to give us minutes this year. This guy's a big man. We'll just take him. I, I think Achiwa would have been a nicer pick there. We'll get to him mm-hmm. in a little bit, but man, I've been, I've been champing at the bit to talk about Halliburton who was, yeah awesome last night in, in that Kings win. Um, the confidence is there. I, I didn't realize that he's like that much of a personality. He's like talking sauce on Twitter already. His interviews have been hilarious. 
it really sucks that he's in Sacramento. Like I would have loved to see him in a, in a place where he's going to get a little more pub and maybe be on like a slightly better team or with a stable organization. But on the flip side, that's one of the only teams that, you know, even if he's looked this good, not many teams could offer him like 30 minutes a night. And that's the way this might be trending. I mean, he's, he's already averaging north of 25 minutes a night. He's looked really, really good. I think, I mean, Wiseman, Ball, Edwards, obviously those guys are, I would say they're in a different class, but you know, they were, they were kind of the blue chip guys coming in. I, I don't think you're ready to pull the plug on them, but I, we, have we gotten an answer at all? Why, why Halliburton fell? I mean, you watched the, you know, the kind of dumbed down ESPN broadcast of the draft and they didn't even address it. You know, they, it was just yeah. like, Oh, he's at, he went 12. Great. Like that was a pretty big deal that he felt. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was bizarre. There was, we've heard nothing about his medicals, nothing about off court. Um, I mean, the jumper still looks weird, but he, he hit like a 28 foot three last night in a huge spot. I mean, the confidence he's just been, he's been everything I hoped he would be. Yeah, man. I, I thought he was going to go, um, like I was texting with my father-in-law on draft night who has seen Halliburton play a lot in high school. And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I think he might go four here. Like, and I was like, I think he might go here. And then it's like, I look like the huge idiot because yeah. I, I thought Tyrese Halliburton was going to go like top five or six and it falls to 12. And it's just one of the more confusing things that I can remember on, on a draft where like, I think there were even more people pumping up Halliburton as, like, a great guy to take where sort of we thought he would go yeah. than even people in the media pumping up Luca as a guy that should have got number one in his draft. Like, why was everyone basically in on Halliburton except for five or six teams picking in the middle of the lottery? It's just it's so, it's so bizarre that he fell this far, like – tons of smart people thought he was a no doubt top five prospect in this class. And really I, I, I remember trying to get, like, I wanted him so bad in a bunch of fantasy leagues and the price just kept going up and up. And, and I like, I was just like, I can't pull the trigger there. Like, yeah. But I mean, man, he's, he's, a, he's like the best case of what I, what I hoped he could be. And he's got the third highest rookie of the year odds now at plus 600. Yeah. And I mean, if I think if the Kings, if the Kings even just get into the play-in game, and he's just clearly a winning player. I mean, even if he's only averaging like twelve points a game, if he's averaging like some assists and some steals, and he's kind of part of the reason why this Kings team surprises everyone, I could totally see the voters rewarding him over a guy like Wiseman or Edwards on a non-playoff. 13 points, six assists, three steals, three rebounds, three threes last night against Denver in that, in that win. He's six of eight from three over his last two games. He is eight of 13 from three on the year. I mean, again, the jump shot looks ridiculous. It's one of the weirder shots you'll see, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like it's not fundamentally sound. Like that's kind of the key difference. You know, it's not like with, with Lonzo, the ball's over here. You can see there are clear issues like his, his elbows lined up. Everything looks, it just looks weird. It's a push shot, but you know, it's, there's not like a whole lot of mechanical concern with it. I think the, you know, the reason why like he wasn't in the mix to go like two or anything like that is just because you can't really picture him getting that shot off, like off the dribble with a defender, right. like all over him. Um, because it does take like a minute for him to get it off. 
but I mean, he, he's just, kind of, he kind of looks like he's going to be like one of these just ultimate glue guys who yeah. just average it. Like he's just a fantasy stud who just helps you everywhere. And then um, maybe he never averages like 25 points a game or anything like that. But if he's, you know, over five assists, over four rebounds, over like a steal and a half and, um, you know, shoot really good efficiency, obviously from three. And I mean, he's, he's just looking really, really impressive. And it just, it's so crazy to me how NBA general managers, it just that like, they're still like as dumb as a lot of us sometimes with this stuff. It's just, it, it seemed obvious and now it looks even more obvious. And like as much as like Patrick Williams looks good, like I mean the Bulls could have used him at four there, I think. And you know, obviously the Pistons, um, I mean even the Hawks, I know they they wanted to address defense and I like the Okoro fit in Cleveland, but I mean really all of these teams outside of the top three, I think you can make a case that they screwed up by not taking especially in this draft too, where, I mean, this was the draft of all drafts to take whoever you want. You weren't going to get criticized. You could take, you could have taken Halliburton at three and it wouldn't have been that crazy. You know, it, it's not, it wasn't one of those drafts where you had, all right, here's the defined top nine guys. These guys are going in some order outside of the top two or three. I mean, it, it just wasn't the case. And that's what makes it, I think all the more bizarre. Um, Cole Anthony has been fine uh, for the magic. You know, the, the minutes haven't quite been there. I, I do think if he was playing, 27 minutes a game like Halliburton. I think he'd maybe get a little more pub. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, he's the only rookie that has a higher assist rate so far than Halliburton. Um, so th- I think those guys and, have been a little little more comparable, although I, I like Halliburton more. And he's been – like, I don't expect him to continue to shoot uh, – what is it? Like, 22% from three. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's – the assist rate you talked about, I mean, he, he's averaging – four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists in less than 20 minutes a game. Yeah. Like once the, the three point shot sort of evens out and he's shooting kind of what his true talent is, even if it's only like 34%, 32%, like, uh, you know, he's going to be really good on a per minute basis. The question is if this, this magic team that's off to a roaring start, like if they kind of keep this up, like where does where do you see his minutes getting? Like is he ever gonna get to like twenty five plus minutes um this yeah. season as long as Markel Fultz stays healthy? Probably not, I guess. I you know, I, I think it's it is it's either a combination of the magic getting worse and somebody getting hurt. Um, but I, I think they feel pretty good about their their like top six right now. So right. you know, Terrence Ross has had a great start too, not really a reason Maybe. to to reduce his minutes. Maybe once they lock up like the one seed and home court in the yep. playoffs, they can start giving him some more minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, he's probably a hold for now. Maybe after the All Star break, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, Precious Achua in Miami, getting a decent amount of run right away. Uh, I, I think he was one of those guys that I, I think we all pretty pretty universally liked, especially when he went to Miami. Great fit. Uh, I thought this would be, you know, he's spending a lot of time with the Sioux Falls Sky Force spending a lot of time waving towels on the end of the bench. And, I mean, he's played 14, 19, 18 minutes so far for a team that has a, a pretty decent amount of big man depth. You know, he's played over Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard, who've been on that team for multiple years. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I thought it was going to take him a while to earn Eric Spolster's trust. Like, it's, it's just crazy to me that they were able, you know, without – really any kind of a, a training camp preseason type of thing. The fact that he's already like firmly in their rotation 
is is pretty surprising to me. And I mean, he is averaging like four fouls in less than 20 minutes a game, but you know, he just looks competent out there. Like I've seen a decent amount of heat this year and you're, you're never like, Oh, he looks like a rookie. Like he, he just kind of looks like he belongs out there and yeah. um, is just, I mean, perfect landing spot. I mean, that, that was super obvious on draft night, but I mean, is this a thing of just like heat culture, heat magic? Do you, do you think he would have been like this ready, this, this competent, if he had landed uh, with like a kind of a more um, like a poor franchise. It's tough to say. I don't know. I, it, it depends. I, I would say there's some teams that probably just wouldn't have even given him the shot. Right. I, I think they would, they'd be like, all right, well, you're too raw. We're not even going to let you prove that you're too raw. Um, and you know, he'd just be well, like, DIDs. like the sun, like, like you mentioned, like the sun's probably should have taken him over Jalen Smith. Like, is he, is he playing? Um, like 15 minutes a game for the Suns right now. Like, I, I, I guess mean, I just sh- don't know. Be, like, but probably not. Right. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, I mean, I think he's a, you know, get as many shares as you can and in, yeah. in your dynasty leagues, like, especially just with his athleticism and his length, like he's just got such a fantasy friendly game, like with the yeah. steals and the blocks and everything. And it, the thing that I love so much about the fit in Miami is that you knew that they weren't, they weren't going to let him go out there and try to be this like on ball, like shot creator guy that he tried to be in, at Memphis. No. Um, no, no, no. So it's just, it's such a nice fit and it's, it's kind of scary. Like the heat now, all of a sudden, like, you know, when you develop guys like Tyler Hero, Precious Achua, you don't want to trade them away, but all of a sudden you got a couple really interesting young pieces that mm-hmm. maybe that could like top a, a Golden State type of Yeah. I, I think Duncan Robinson as well. I mean, the fact that you could potentially swing a trade like that and not have to give up Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler is, is insane. Right. I mean, you're getting, you're potentially getting James Harden and not having to give up those two guys says, says a lot about the assets that you're able to accumulate. All right. I want to finish out on rookie of the year odds. These are updated on the DraftKings Sportsbook. You hinted at a few of these as we went through the names. Wiseman's the favorite at plus 225. Edwards plus 350. Halliburton up to six to one. LaMelo has fallen down to seven to one. Uh, then you got Toppin at 10 to 1, and then a pretty big gap down to Cole Anthony, 25, Killian Hayes, 33, Okoro, 33, Peyton Pritchard, 33, <laughs> Williams, 33, uh, and then uh, Achua, Maxi, Abdia, those guys are all at 50 to 1. Yeah. Um, I think Halberton at 6 to 1 is a, is a good bet. I think Lamelo at 7 to 1, like, you know, I. The field goal percentage, it's going to be tough to win rookie of the year if you're shooting like 39% from the field. But, I mean, he could he could end the year averaging like 14 points and five assists and five rebounds or something like that. Uh, so I, I don't even mind LaMelo at 7-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Precious to Chew at 50-1 at to one and Denny Abdi at 50-1, to one, like – if the if the Wizards trade Brad Beal and all of a sudden Abdi is playing like 30 minutes a game over the final couple months, or if Precious Achua starts earning like 24, 25 minutes a game and is a two-way guy, like there will be smart writers that talk about how good he's been. Um, but realistically, I think those top four guys, like the winner probably does come 
out of that out of that range and I think you have Wiseman and Edwards who are going to have this sort of old school statistical like points per game rebounds that type of thing that type of case for it but they'll be on pretty bad teams and then Halliburton's going to be sort of the uh, advanced statistics guy that, that people are going to point to, you know, like Kevin Pelton will probably write something about how Tyrese Halliburton should be rookie of the year. Uh, and then I think Lamella is just the, the talented wild card guy where he's just, he's talented enough that he could just come and take it. Um, so to me, I think it, it comes from one of those four guys. Gambling wise or betting wise, I would, I would put money on Halliburton right now at that number. I, I think there's a pretty good I chance agree. that he's not going to fall much further than six to one. You know, Anthony at 25 to one, there's still a decent amount of value there. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel a little bit less confident about that now than I did two weeks ago, well, but at 25, I don't know. I mean, you should have, you should have bought it when it was at 40 to one, when we were talking right. about it. Um, yeah. Then, you know, 25 to one, it's, it's a little yeah. less appealing. I am with you on Abdia because I mean, team record doesn't really matter for rookie of the year. Yeah. The wizards look terrible. Um, but I mean, he's one of only a few rookies who's actually starting and projects to have more value. I think as the year goes on, I mean, maybe, maybe we see more Bertans um, and they, they are getting Hachimura back tomorrow. So maybe that changes things, but I mean, his all, his all around numbers have been really impressive. Like the passing has definitely been there. He's not like a volume rebounder, but I mean, it's conceivable. He could end the year with like 12 or 13 points, five or six rebounds, four or five assists. You know, maybe maybe it would take an injury to somebody ahead of him to to really vault him into the race, but that's that's well within reason. Well, if like if they trade, I mean, do you do you think Brad Beal is going to ask out? Like, even even if it's not publicly, even if it's just like behind closed doors, like say they're like six and eighteen or something like that. That would be pretty probable. And so at that point, I mean, at that point, I think you could make a case that. Abdi is the second best player on the team behind Westbrook. So like maybe he would just right. play 30 minutes a game. Like, I think that's possible. Yeah. The, the, the Beal thing, like I said, at the top, I, I think is going perfectly. If you're a team that's been waiting on that, I couldn't have asked for a better start for the wizards. Westbrook's getting his triple doubles. Beal's getting his numbers. They're getting, they're losing to bad teams every night. It's where they get swept by the magic. Yeah. It's, it's been an ideal start. Yep. I, I agree. All right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, like cool. I said, Ken, uh, Alex, and Shannon will be back on Thursday. Um, hopefully you'll be a more regular guest this year. You know, obviously with the, the baseball season kind of somewhat in flux, uh, we'll, we'll have to play that by year. But uh, happy to have you back, and hopefully we can do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.